You're listening to the Avoid the Trap Podcast, a show dedicated to helping bettors exploit the betting markets using unconventional strategies and tactics. Turn up the volume and listen closely. The show starts now. Welcome back to another episode of Avoid the Trap. This is episode number 16. I have professional sports bettors Antonino DeRosa and David Miller on the line with me. What's going on, guys? How's Hello, it been? Life. I haven't talked to you in a week. Life is good. Life is good. Life, life is, good. is good. Well, what about I saw that David sent us a screenshot talking a lot of smack this week about his first place in the DraftKings contest so far, and Ant is in second place. Is that right? No, no, no that's not right. Oh, that's not right? No, one, I didn't talk a lot of smack. I just updated it. And two, it were, I think, well, it depends how you look at it because I would say par is like 57%, maybe 56%. So he might even be winning if you if you look at it like that. Right. We're first and second, but he, he missed a week. But the week I played and he missed, I went two and three. So my guess is you're winning, but I have no idea. No, it's like a tie. It's a tie. Let's go. Okay. Let's call it. But it's it's all crammed. You really, it's hard to really look at it like with the standings this early because it's so many ties, you know. But I am gonna, yeah. I am gonna I am gonna win that. There's two others. I, I looked at the standings. My buddy <laughs> sent me a screenshot the other day. There is two kind of sharp guys in that pool. That was when he, the time he sent it to me. I looked at the usernames, and it's actually some really smart people. I noticed. You want to know who I, they are? Yeah. No, I don't know who they are, but. How would you know just by the screen name is my question. So one guy, his name is Maki Supa. This is DraftKings name. He's the owner of Establish the Run. And he's uh, he's basically the best NBA DFSers that ever played. So so he's really good. And the other guy that was on top of the standings is Suram Colorado State 88 or something. Suram 88. That guy's Peter Jennings. He's part owner of Unabated, and he's still, he's the one that started the uh, Fantasy Labs that then became the Action Network. So people that are like, they're not casuals, if that makes sense. Right. Well, I knew that part already. I just didn't know who. I don't know any of these people. I don't I, because I don't Twitter and all that. I only know them from my days when I used to play DFS. Oh, okay, makes sense. Yeah, there's a long way to go. And then, like he said, NBA is starting, so that'll consume a lot of our time. We'll still find a way to do this, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll be super busy once NBA starts, but we can still do a show every week, I hope. Well, let's yeah. talk about that real quick. What tell, tell me about what is, I guess we'll start with Ant, what is your NBA schedule like? Like, what is a professional sports bet? How much time do you put in that on a weekly basis? Well, I bet live. So basically either me or my partner, my employees, we're on every single night as soon as the first game begins until the last game ends. So let's call it six hours each night, every single night. Then once football like kind of ends, they start having day games. So it becomes even, you know, more grueling, especially on weekends. But yeah, let's call it I don't know, 50 hours a week of just sitting there watching basketball games. And you're mainly on the East Coast. I just want people to understand what it takes to live the life you live. How does your family <laughs> deal with that? How does your family deal with those hours? Because I know what mine would say. I mean, I, I wouldn't have a family probably if I was working those nights. 
my wife is a trooper, but mostly I try to, you know, have dinner ready and uh, have the kids bathed by the time the first game begins. Okay. So, you know, and then the only thing she really has to do is put them to sleep. But yeah, it's tough. But what's really tough is sometimes you're, what I find hard is sometimes it's, you know, 1 a.m. the game's end and your brain is going a thousand miles an hour. So you can't really fall asleep. So, you know, you turn and twist in bed for another hour or two. But when 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning rolls around, the babies will wake up. They don't know that daddy was betting NBA. <laughs> so, so that's the tough part. But, you know, lots of coffees, nap with them in the afternoon, and then uh, keep on going. What about it, David? I always think David has the best – well, he's on mountain time, but Pacific time would be the best time zone to be a professional better, in my opinion. But what do you think about that, Dave? What's your schedule like once NBA gets here? No, uh, I, got I, I got it. I got it made, man. I got it made. Just spot, look at the lines all day. Just spot, look at it. And then hit the gym and then do it like maybe then sit in front of the computer and and some accounts from like four to – because it's hard. Sometimes on those last games – I know you're watching the in. Let me ask you a question. When you're doing the in play, do you even if there's just like one game going? Are you are you dealing with that one game, or you just forget it? No, no, we do every single possible game, even if there's only one game. Wow, man. Okay, that's <laughs> you work harder than I than I do for sure. The problem is that I said this in a earlier episode, but NBA is just that live in general is just awesome because even one game you can have you know ten different bets. So it's uh, every single game state is a different opportunity, right? So obviously one game is very boring, but on Wednesday nights when there's 10 games at once, like that's no fun either. So (laughs) probably the sweet spot is three, four games at once. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say that. I think if there's three, I would do it if I was you. But no, anyway, yeah, like five or six hours, five hours. So and then Saturday and Sunday all day. But I don't mind it. Like I said, I, I, I'm used to it. When you first but, moved to Colorado, you were doing the Island NFL games back then, right? The Monday night football, Thursday night football. Wasn't you betting those games then? I mean, sometimes I have money on them, yeah. Shit, yeah, I got you. Dave bets yeah. everything. Yeah, I bet the board.com. What'd you call it? Bet the board.com? <laughs> bet the board.com. Dave was funny. Like, we were trying to organize something in January, and Dave is like, we can't lose one. 14th of a NCAA football schedule or whatever. He's a hard worker. He just likes to think that, you know, he likes to say that he doesn't work that hard. Well, there's a lot, a lot of stuff I could say right now, but I don't know. <laughs> you guys always have me speechless. Oh, man. Well, David, how many entries are left in the Circus Survivor? How many do you have left? I don't know. What is it like? Well, we have three. Three. We have, yeah, we have three. And then uh, there was like, I think, 1,900 last week. So I don't know how many fell off. You went all Lions last week? Yeah, two Lions. Two Lions. And are y'all still in it? We still have two entries. We went one Lions and one Miami. And yeah, luckily the Bills lost. So it was like, I don't know, 20% of the people died. Or was it that? It. it was that many? Yeah, it was like 17 or 18%, I think. Okay, interesting. Also, the this week is very interesting because there's tons of big favorites. 
So, yeah. Do you ever look at the stats? How many people have the people that are left? How many people have certain teams left? Do you ever look at that? No. And then I still, I look at this like a lottery. Like last year, obviously, when we were all the way to the end, I was into it. But I don't, Randy gets real into it, which is good. I don't at all. Sometimes I'll go, I don't want to put that pick because it's not one I want to put. But I rarely don't even have any say in it. Yeah. Like what's really interesting this week that the biggest favorite on the board, I think, is the Bills. And I think 60% of the people have already chosen Bills. So normally you would think the Bills would be very eye-owned, but a lot of the people don't have Bills left. So We still have Miami left. I know that. Randy yeah. was really proud of himself there. He's like, we still have Miami and we still have – and he gets real proud of himself. But I think if I have balls, I'm going to put both of my entries on the Rams. Oh. Well, that's what – he wants to put – he wants to do one Rams and two Miami. Yeah. So, well, Miami plays on one of those holidays, so you have to remember that. Yeah, I think, well, that's why you want to take the Rams, right? Or you used Miami. I want to take the Rams because of that, but also I think the Rams are, you know, some places are even – oh, no, they're all, they're all a seven. So the Rams are, you know, much smaller favorites than the Bills and the Miami Dolphins or the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how old they will be, but – it's interesting. I mean, everybody has their own. Are you are you real in, into it, or your partners are? Or do you get really into it? When I say I'm into it, I spend maybe twenty minutes thinking about it. Usually, when I'm on the when I'm dropping off the kids at the pool. I think the main thing that you have to think about is just the teams playing on those those other days on the holidays. <laughs> I think that's the important part of it. Well, like you don't like to think about that. Like if a team is going to be super I owned. Like there was two weeks ago, there was a team, I forget which, was owned over 50%. Wouldn't you want to fade that team on that day? Yeah, I get. I mean, I get that. Frank, th that's what Frank was saying. And I was like, I don't know about was, that. Yeah, could be right. I think it was the, the Chiefs or something. They were like 50% owned. And if you can try to predict that and you can actually fade that team that week, I think you get a lot of equity in those spots. But Okay. Yeah, just don't be part of the, the masses. Yeah, like, obviously, if there's no other good choices, then whatever. But if there is other good choices, God forbid that 14-point favorite loses. I mean, that's a huge swing for you. Yeah, right. I get it. So I spent about 10 minutes thinking about which teams people will use. I look at the thing that shows how many, how many entries left have certain teams. And then you should try, if possible, to pick the teams that not every like the most popular team that will get picked. You probably should try to fade that one. That's you know my advice in three sentences. Okay, I want to advice. You think it's too <laughs> early to, to to worry about that, or you think you should start looking at that at this point? You think it's too early to look at that? Yeah, like, I, or just is it too early? Does it really matter this early in the contest? What I'm saying. Well, like, are you planning to win or are you planning to survive? I think both strategies are very valid. If you're just trying to survive every single week, then just try to pick the biggest favorite that you could possibly pick every week, right? Obviously, you should plan it out a little bit. But, you know, if your plan is to try to spike the event, you have to sometimes do a minus EV move to try to get lucky. Because at the end of it all, the person that's going to win is going to be the most lucky person, not the most skillful, in my opinion. Yeah, but I think just surviving has a lot of value, too, because 
let's say you're taking like 10 and 11 point favorites early. Those teams can suck later in the year. You know, yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's just a, to me, it's just a massive lucky thing. And I I don't like things that are luck based. That's why I don't, I don't really get into it. Randy gets real into it. I don't, I don't, not at all. (laughs) I don't like luck based. I don't, I don't like it. I think we need Randy on the podcast. Can Can you make that happen? He's real into it, so he could talk about this stuff for forever. Uh, we should invite him. Uh, you know, I have to hear. I want to meet the person that you guys always talk about. Yeah, Randy. Well, yeah, he's going to put some crazy pick this week, and it will win. <laughs> Are you he'll, pass, he'll pass on that rogue number on Frisco, and he'll put, like, well, let me pick something. <laughs> the Texans plus a half when they're plus two now. Yeah, man. <laughs> Oh, gosh. I, I love it, though. He's great. We all have one of those friends, right, that they think they know a lot about sports betting, but in reality, you know, they're probably smart in their own ways, but they don't fully understand what's going on. Well, yeah, he. the worst part is he gets what's going on, but he's just like, I want to put it. Like, I, and I'm like, all right. But I don't know. He just runs so good doing that for, like, 15 years that I've known him. He does really good on losing his mind on one out of the out of the five picks. And then I always go, why don't you just put a lot of cash on that one play? You know, that's what I would do. When we first started betting live, sometimes we would have an account where we bet, I don't know, whatever, Miami Heat minus six. And then later in the in during the live game, this was like pregame, right? And during the live game, we would find value on their opponent at like plus three. And people that would bring us accounts would be like, why would you bet plus three in this during this live game when you could have taken plus six? And like yeah. just people don't understand that that plus six is way gone, you know, and that minus six is way lost. So it's hard. Even smart people sometimes just don't understand what's really what's going on. But that would annoy me if each person was looking into it like to that level. It would just annoy me. I would just be like, don't worry about what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking over your account and just yeah, that's it. Don't ask me why I'm doing it. I know that's the way I would handle it. Is that bad? No, I mean, a lot of times it depends on what it is. If they ask questions, you know, and sometimes I indulge them, but it just really depends. But it's one of those things. If you're transparent and you explain people's stuff, they're more inclined to maybe try harder for you. But if I was to say to that person, hey, so there was value at minus six and a half later in the game, there's a totally different score, and then there's value with plus three. I just feel like each person still wouldn't fully grasp it, and there's just no point to – I don't know. I don't know. That's me, though. <laughs> well, let's get into, like the, to get into some of these questions from, that we left off from the previous episode. So we've had a few messages about answering some of these. So if we can, we all want to get into those. Does that sound good? Sounds great. All right. Where we left off is kind of more of a statement, but I want to make sure we read everybody's questions. Why isn't live betting more popular? It feels like it has the best value, in my opinion. I would say it's gaining popularity. Is that wrong? So you'd be surprised to know that most sports books have more action on live than they do in pregame. But once again, live, it's numbers are moving. It feels like it's, I don't know, it's more dynamic. A lot of times in pregame, a line opens four and it closes four. And if nobody didn't like minus four or plus four, they're never going to bet that game, right? 
So at Pinnacle, one of my bosses used to call pregame, they used to call it pre-live. To show them porns, when he was talking, instead of saying pregame and live, he would call it pre-live and live. Just to show him porn that live was actually the most important thing that there is. Interesting. So do you think you know this, the breakdown of your average sports book, what percent of the volume so, is live? So I'm pretty certain that most sports books have maybe like higher than 50% for sure in live than they do in pregame. Now, there's some outliers, for instance. Let's say you're a very big NFL book. It's possible that your pregame NFL gets more action than your live NFL. But on average, like your basketball games will get more bets on live. Your soccer games will get more bets on live. Most smaller stuff, like non-major markets, they'll get way more action in live than pregame. Live is definitely way, way more action. If you look at Betfair, I don't know if you guys ever look at Betfair. They're really big on tennis. They'll get like a hundred times more action in a live match than they do in a pregame match. So it's really just depends on the sports book. But most sports books get more action in live than pregame. Okay. I didn't know that. Would you say your average DGen better is just betting live on who they like? They're not really factoring in pricing. They just, oh, this player that was minus 200 favorite in a tennis match is now plus 140. I'm just going to auto bet. It's, that kind of it's, it's just more fun to bet live, right? Like you can watch the live game and you can think that you have an edge somehow because you're watching and then you just bet it. But in pregame, <laughs> once again, the, the games that get the most action in pregames are the ones that the number actually moves. If you ever like all the games where nobody actually like the number doesn't move like those games get so little bets you the world will be surprised to know that probably people don't know is they get no action those games mm -hmm. so line movement is what creates action okay. all right question an nfl total on a sunday at circa goes to 40 one minute before the game starts are you playing over 39 and a half minus 105 at the second book? That's uh, more of a Dave question. It, it went from 39 and a half to 40. With I a think that's, that's what he assumed. Correct. That's what I would no. assume. No, no, I'm, so, I'm not. Why is that? Dave? Well, because it's not a one point move, which would be stronger. And it's, I don't know. It just doesn't, it's 39 and a half to 40. It's not. Maybe if it, if it was like 40 to 41, yeah, I would play over 40 real quick. Yeah, I would do that. You know, just something stronger. Right, what you're trying to say is that some totals are worth more than others, correct? Yeah, and some moves are worth more than others. So, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. What is a good way that our listeners can figure out which of those points are worth more? What, what's it called? Odds Jam? Odds Jam. No. That's what the there's some place that has the odd, what everything's worth. I don't know. Some guy keeps putting it. Odds Jam? Is that what it's called? You know, guys, no. I'll, I'll tell you all people how they should look. Look at Pinnacle.com and then look at the different. Why not? They can't log in. I mean, just to be able to log in, they can't. They have to have a, a whole setup to look at it. No, you don't have to log in. You can just go to Pinnacle.com. I'm doing it right now from Florida without logging in. And without you, a VPN. Without VPN, without nothing, you don't have to log in. You click on football, and then next to the game where it says, I'm watching right now, Denver Broncos, Kansas City, they have the price 47, 
for both sides. And then if you click on the two little arrows, okay. it shows you what each half number is worth. Okay, I didn't know that because I always log in, but you you used to not be able to. Uh, I, I wanted it so bad. I almost got a long time ago, I almost got an account just to see all that. But yeah, that's the, obviously the best way. Yeah, and basically you can see here they have 47 over minus 102 and they have 46 and a half over minus 111. So according to Pinnacle, this half point between 46 and a half and 47 is worth nine cents. It's probably really only worth eight cents. Usually on those alternate lines, they add more juice. So that's the way I would figure out how much a point is worth. I would, I would call it like seven and a half because, okay, so they'll, they'll charge you nine and then give you back six. I would just shoot the gap, seven and a half. Yeah, so just know that whenever you bet an alternate line or a buy-sell line, usually most sports books, they add more VIG to it to protect themselves. So, you know, you can calculate it that way and then subtract one or two cents. Well, if you buy multiple halves, then you, at the same time or look at that, you have to do more than one or two cents. Yeah, we're giving a lot of good information out here, guys. Wow. <laughs> look at us go. <laughs> it's too good. Too good. All right, next question. Next question. Can you go over calculating edge for football sides and also for baseball? Yeah. So basically... There's no way to calculate the edge when you're making that wager unless you have a sports book that you find that is the truth. So if Pinnacle has, let's call it minus 110 on both sides and you believe they're the truth, let's call it minus 105 on both sides because they have lower juice. So that means that they think that the fair value is plus 100 on that line, right? Because if the fair line is plus 100, they had juice on both sides, minus 105 on both sides. Now, if you're betting plus 110 or plus 105, then what you need to do is you need to calculate the American odds. You need to transform them into implied probabilities. You guys can Google that if you don't know how to do it by hand. Google uh, converting American odds to implied probability. Then you type in plus 100. You type in the price that you actually bet. And the percent in implied probability is the edge of your bet. Yeah, sounds good. It was a very uh, detailed way to do it. Love that. Yeah. Or what you should really do is the way you should really calculate your EV is not, <laughs> is not at the time you make the wager. <laughs> the real way to calculate your EV is at the end when you're getting the closing line. So <laughs> because you can bet plus 100 and the line closes minus 120, that is not a positive EV bet that you made. So to calculate your edge, you really want to do it after the game begins. Then you catch the closing line. You can use an average between Pinnacle, Circa, Bet Chris, whatever you want to use. And that's how you calculate your EV. But don't try to lie to yourself and whichever one agrees with your side the most, you just take that one. I mean, you yeah. Set, yeah, you need a set way to do it and then stick yeah. to that on, on multiple the games thousands of games yeah the way you should do it is really just use an average of the three well that just seems like a lot of work i think i think if you just pick one you're good it, it will probably come out to about the same over thousands of games yeah dave's probably right like your implied probability and all that come on man <laughs> well <laughs> you got to teach the people what they're betting Go to people the don't even, and just some do people don't even way. understand that when you're betting plus 105 you're betting an event so hold on, I'm going to tell you. 
that happens 48.8% of the times, you know? So implied probability. Come on, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's gonna go and Google that. <laughs> you make me laugh, man. Ugh. All right, how about we do this? We'll make our producer since people are not going to Google it, I'm going to give the link to Mike uh, where they can use a calculator and we'll put it in the show notes. There's got to be EV calculators and all of that. And then now that you said anyone can just go to Pinnacle, wherever they're at with no VPN and see the updated odds, that's good enough right there. I mean, I think. <laughs> all right, next question. I'm just looking at your EV calculator. Well, you didn't do um, baseball. Well, I guess that's the same. I guess it's same the same exact thing for baseball. The thing is, the baseball or even football, something that you have to realize is whenever you're betting a different spread or total, then it closes to a different one. You have to convert it to the closing number. So knowing what numbers are worth is very important to calculate your EV. And then in basketball, it, it obviously gets a little bit easier. Yeah, um, because all, all the points are worth roughly the same. Yeah, he's talking about for football. Yeah, for baseball the totals are have different values. Seven and nine are worth you know more, more than eight and ten. You want the odd numbers on the totals, a half the off reason, of that. The reason why that's being is because it's harder for a game to land on an even number because when the game is tied, they play extra innings. So if the total is eight, it's hard for the game to land because harder. four and four is not a combination that can land. Well, six to two can, five to three, but if it's tight and it's usually like one run games and, and it's really tight, the percentage on that have an eight total that are exactly four four is, is really high. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next question. Explain how a free roll would work, please. Usually there's different ways, at least the way we get free rolls, the different ways we do it. The most common one is you bet the person's account. If you win, you give them the percentage of the free roll that was pre-established. If you lose, you the better pays all the money that, that you lost, and the account holder makes no money. Some people, they do free rolls, and they clear every six months, every three months. So like, let's say you give me an account, and I lose in your account for six straight months. Then you're not going to be incentivized to get me more accounts because I'm in such a big negative number, it's going to take you a while for you to get out of that negative number before you make money. Some free rolls, there's always make up and never clears. It really depends what kind of relationship you have with the people. Is there a point? I mean, obviously, there, I know there is a point, but what number would you say that is too high of a free roll to give? At what point? Yeah, the best free rolls I've ever seen is about 20% maybe 25%, but once you start getting higher than that, you're crazy, in my opinion. Got it. When you give free rolls, Micah, do you have them clear or do they stay always? I do it a little different, and I could be wrong for doing it this way, but I feel like I want to keep that person motivated when they're collecting from their bookie that they're getting something every time. Okay. So I give them 10% every time they collect. Oh, awesome. Um, so every time that they get a thousand bucks, they're giving me nine hundred of it. Got it. Um, so if you have a losing week, it doesn't carry over. I'm not carrying it over, and I feel like it works out. But I need to use your EV calculator to see if that works out. Yeah, like if obviously you could have losing weeks, but if you're giving the accounts to people like us, 
it's really hard. I mean, we do have losing weeks, but it's hard to have losing weeks because we bet so many different things and so many, you know, thousands of bets a week. So, yeah. So if you're doing that, you know, usually I would not want to ever offer somebody a deal like that, especially if they're only betting one sport. But if we're betting tons of different things, it's good. It's okay. All right. Okay. The best way to determine the direction of closing line value besides using a software. How can you determine where the line is going? I mean, without a software, it's hard. There's basic common sense things. For instance, basic common sense things could be usually a Monday night NFL football game. Usually late, the favorite is going to take a lot of money. So there's some common sense stuff like that. Or for instance, the Dodgers were down 2-0 before last night, or before they played Arizona. And you would think that since it was an elimination game, there was going to be a lot of money come in at the Dodgers by casual betters. So those are the common sense things, but maybe Dave can answer a better way. Yeah. Do you think there was a public skew there when the Dodgers were down? Do you think uh, they just, yeah, whatever the numbers said, I, just raised it? I think usually in elimination games, there's always that public skew toward the end. So whatever the numbers say, they just tacked on some extra juice or whatever, right? Is what you Yeah, how- because more people are willing to bet the Dodgers because they don't think they're going to get swept or whatever. So if the Braves yeah. are coming out tonight, bet the Phillies yeah. in the game. The Braves line is definitely inflated right now. Yeah. So if it was this pitching matchup in Philadelphia – in, uh, I don't know, July, what do you think this line would be? We're currently staring at, uh, it looks like mine. well, I'm looking at the other places, but it looks like minus 145, Atlanta. What do you think, with your baseball knowledge, what do you think this would be in July? A couple of percent less, minus 135, 37, something like that. Okay, okay, yeah. So it's not really like this massive spot where it's like all hands on deck, but there is a skew there. Yeah. Okay. You're saying that Philadelphia is up 3 nothing in the third inning that most people are going to play the Braves to come back in this elimination game. Yeah, people will do that to them live as well. Yeah. But at some point, this doesn't work anymore. I mean, if they're up 9-0, your average person is not sure. thinking that. Even nobody, uh-huh. You're going up, they're dead. So I guess you would have to draw the line. And you're looking at whatever numbers you're looking at, but you would have to draw the line of – where a comeback is still possible to your average person. Yeah, when the odds are somewhat reasonable, you know, plus 200, plus 300, yeah. whatever. So does that make you get excited about this game and you already know you're probably going to have Philadelphia all over the place? Well, I'm only good at Philadelphia all over the place if they actually get up, right? Yeah. <laughs> are you playing a pregame at all, if you don't mind me no. asking? No, I'm not. But So your ideal spot would be the Phillies – Start off like two to nothing right away, right? Sure. <laughs> One nothing or two zero. Then I would yeah. probably be like yesterday. I was really big on Arizona after it was like two zero one one zero two zero. I forget every single sports book posted value on Arizona live. Right. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I mean, I assumed it worked like that. I hope that answered the question. But and another way is you can kind of look who the which way the sharper books are moving and just kind of assume it's most places are going to move that way. Or if, if you're looking to play it and you see pinnacle move, probably that would be the time to play it. If your plus nine is going to 
eight at Pinnacle, you might want to jump on it. But if it's going to nine and a half, you might want to wait. Another thing you can do without software is what I recommend. There's this website called the uh, Odds Portal. I don't know if you guys ever used it. It shows all the line moves of the major sports books when you click on the game, kind of like what Dumbest does, but you know you don't have to pay for it. And uh, you can look at the line history of any game you like. Let's say you pick a sports, let's pick Pinnacle because, you know, they're Pinnacle. So you can go and look at their line movement. And if you see the line moved one way and nobody played it back, like, so let's say a line moves five cents and right away moved back. That should tell you that the line is more likely to go the other way, the way that it came back. Because somebody was so quick to take it once it moved a little bit one way. So you can try to predict yeah. line moves that way. So to give a, a concrete example, let's say the line moved from minus 3, minus 10 to minus 3, minus 15. And within two minutes, it went back to minus 10. I'm more likely to think that the 3 is going to go to 2.5 before it goes to 3.5. So those are the type of things you can kind of look at to try and predict where the line moves are going to be. Okay. Makes sense. Like if the line moves, let's say somebody bets minus three, minus one ten, and the line moves to minus fifteen, minus seventeen, whatever, and like two hours goes by and it never goes back, then it's probably going to go to three and a half. That sounds good. So somebody's literally sitting there wait like with their hand on the on the mouse or whatever like okay i, I need an extra half pointer boom and they grab it i mean that makes that makes sense yeah as a trader when you were taking a bet and you move the line if you got counteraction right away you knew that your line was really good if i would move the line and i nobody bet the other side like i knew that the line maybe can run another 20 cents you know because i don't know what how long you should run right so yeah, yeah. And I was going to say the reality, though, is anyone listening to this podcast that's serious should probably have some type of tracking software. I mean, in my opinion, otherwise you're just at a disadvantage. All right. Next yeah. question. Wong teasers. Oh, God. Bad to play ahead if you like the number or do you wait till Sunday to play those? Well, anytime you see one that's just sitting there, I mean, you got to you should play it if there's an edge, in my opinion. Yeah, I That's... remember when you and I were playing. I think I've told the story. This bookie that I had had even money, six point teasers, and yeah, we yeah. play every combination possible every single day, all the way yeah. until game time. Yeah, like the hardcore people will just the second they'll just look at all week long, hoping that those threes go to a flat two and a half or two. And that the sevens go to seven and a half or eight and a half. They just started like staring at that all week. So anytime the opportunity's there to pop one, you're supposed to do it. I, I don't see any reason why anyone would wait. I don't get that. Well, I'll play devil's advocate. I think that you should, whenever you can play those one teasers, you should just play them. But let's say you can only you only had the money to play one. You should probably wait till the end. Because you're basically, you're hoping yeah. that the market is efficient and the market is going to be the most efficient at the end. So you should probably wait till the end. So, you know, that the line is correct. Because a one teaser, that's all it really is, is an alternative line of the main line, right? Yeah. But even if you play it Monday, like there's a 50% chance it could close extra good, 50% yeah. chance extra. So that's kind of the same. I don't know. Plus, if anyone listening to this should have more money. <laughs> 
in one unit. I mean, <laughs> but I, I have a bookie that gives me minus one ten one teasers. Okay, but here's the caveat. Tell me if if you would do this. So here's the caveat. You must pick five different teams, and then I get a combination of two of every single game. Would you still bet there or no? So what do you mean? Okay, so you have to do five teams during the week? So no, if you have to always pick, okay, it yeah. gives you minus 110. Every week you must pick, and you have to pick five games, and then I get the combination of two of each game. So basically, like, there'll be, like, three good teasers, legs, and then there'll be, like, two shitty ones, kind of. So, like... Well, yeah, that was the answer would depend on the prices, but, yeah, I but, see. But I always get six points at minus 110, but I always have to pick five teams. I've been doing what? it for, like, almost two years, but I don't know can if you, it's... Can you just, like, only do the weeks where there's, like, only good ones, or he would get mad? No, you have to do every week at least five. You can even do more if you want. I mean, it sounds like he's kind of setting himself up where he won't get hurt too bad with that rule. I mean, that seems like a fair rule. If, yeah, that yeah. seems like a Yeah, right. I, like, I like that. I've been crushing him, but I think I'm getting lucky more than, you know, whatever. Well, let me ask you this then. When you say you have to do five, how often do you feel your money's sitting really good? How often is it sitting really bad? On average, I think I have every week one game that I would have never teased. Then that you know, sounds like you're getting the best of it, right? Yeah. Like, on average, I think it's one. Sometimes it's two. Sometimes you get five good ones. It's not like that. Because if you have one or two that you feel that aren't going through the key numbers or whatever it is, you really can't be sitting that bad in that one bet, you know, yeah. to where you're still, you're still using some good strategy and you're at least going through three or seven once on that one. So, I don't know. It It sounds good. I mean, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I don't know that I'm not an expert, but hopefully that bookie doesn't listen. Is one ten still good if ties lose? <sighs> yeah, because your only tie would be on two. I guess it would be on one, two, eight, or nine, and the frequency of it falling on two and nine is. I guess one would be kind of a. I don't know. You answer the question, Ant. It's still good, but yeah, you, go ahead. I think it's still good. I can't explain it in mathematical terms but i think it's still good i can kind of break it down okay it's still good because on one of them you're going to have basically if it falls on one two eight or nine you're going to lose right but you can kind of look at it like this that you just have like plus instead of plus nine just look at it like you have plus eight and a half and that would still be good yeah because the value from eight and a half to nine is like four cents which is like nothing compared to the overall value of the well it's I can't say nothing but it's it's a minimal part of your edge especially if you find the ones that are like where your book had that extra half point that put it on to 8 when it should have been 7 and a half if you had the going rate the market going rate then it's even better because it's basically like you should have had 7 and a half anyway that's how I look at it those ones would be just a little bit better if your book had the extra half that put it on to that number that is your death number. And, right. and you should, some people don't know what you're talking about. So he's saying that for these teasers, you want to go all the way through three and seven. It's two plays. And the strategy, you get six points at minus 110. And you want to go all the way through. So you want, so if a game's one and a half, you want to tease it up to plus seven and a half, or vice versa. If it's seven and a half, 
you tease it down to minus one and a half. And you want to go through three and seven. So then also two and a half to eight and a half. Or I mean, yeah, to eight and a half or eight and a half down to two and a half. That's what that is. And you get you, you have to hit both of them, but then you you're you're paying minus one ten, but both have to hit. And in some cases, even money. Some guys even do minus one twenty. You would then have to tighten up a little bit at minus one twenty, but that's what they're referring to. All right, we have five more questions. Can we knock these out? Yeah. So, is it worth cashing out for a better number? I already got plus three plus a hundred, or should no. I cash out and take plus three and a half minus one ten? No, you should never make a bad bet to make a good bet, a worse bet. Like you're paying commission a second time and you're better already as positive EV. You should only do it really for uh bankroll concerns. But I would never make a second wager because I've had a first wager before. Let me let me let me say something. So he can cash out. So let's say he bet a hundred dollars at plus three. He can cash out for a hundred, get his hundred back, and go put the hundred on plus three and a half minus one ten. Is that a better bet for him? Oh, that he should do. I'm sorry, I misunderstood the question. He should do that. Yeah. Three and a half minus one ten is better than three plus a hundred on a football side. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I yeah. misunderstood the question. I mean it's an interesting situation, but yeah. yeah. A lot of these uh legal apps let you cash out for the exact amount you put in before the game starts. But what if you just made it like one second before? Do they let you cash it out if it your play is like if the line moves in your favor, like your price I don't is a know. Bit- I only know from history of betting stuff for Ant soccer for him, and they, the guys will make a wrong bet. They'll, they can cash it out real quick for the exact same amount we risk. As far as waiting on the line moving, yeah, I'm not sure. I know, know that one guy, David, in, in your Instagram messages, I can't think of his name. He actually – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, would, yeah. He yeah, get yeah, limited. Yeah, he would cash out from the line yeah, moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that just gives me a new idea, another idea that you just said. Yeah. Okay, interesting. That sounds like they should still juice you even if you do it one second later, but interesting. I actually uh, did a little research on this before, that a lot of the websites, when you cash out, usually most of the times they will give you, unless if the price got a lot worse, they don't give you the same amount. But if the price is even better... Like, you don't cash out for a profit. You can cash out for the same amount of money you you bet, basically. All right, next question. Does it matter how much money came in for bets on a betting exchange? Like, I'm saying versus, like, at a sports book where the, everybody looks at the percentages. He said, does the betting exchange matter versus a sports book? Well, I mean, some guys would just take – I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm picturing like 50,000 is on one team, 50,000 on another. And if somebody eats up like all of it on one team, I guess that could carry over. Now they're going to pound it across the world, but you would need super deep pockets to do stuff like this. But I'm sure there's many times where Ants looked at those exchanges and could tell the whole market was about to move. Did you want to share those stories? I mean, there's nothing much to share. Usually whenever the money get a big chunk of money gets goggled up at an exchange. It's because somebody's about to move the whole market or the market's already moved and people are sleeping that add orders out and uh, somebody's gobbling them up. But yeah, exchanges tell a story just like sportsbook lines do. All right, three more. Finding opportunities to take plus six and a half or plus two and a half instead of the common minus six and a half and minus two and a half. I'm not sure what he means there. 
to be honest with you. I should probably should have read that one before I said that loud. <laughs> Not sure on that question. Let's go to the last one. What are you looking for as far as line movement when making a bet, or is it all plus EV? I think he means like chasing steam. Is it always plus EV? No. You lose that. <laughs> Didn't we get this question before? What? Sorry, I just hear it's always all it's always plus EV, but I'm trying to like answer the question. Is chasing steam always plus EV? If you do it right. If you're getting a good number, yes. Sometimes it's going to go back against you. Sometimes you'll do it wrong where you're chasing, but you don't have enough value on the number to where whatever juice you paid was worth it. So that was like, let's say it moves like, let's say that a football game moves eight cents in value or whatever nationwide. And you, you take the old number and pay minus 110. That wouldn't be good. But if you chase and have a big enough padding between your juice and how much it moves, then yeah. And that's where you would use the pinnacle drop-down menu or, or whatever the other ways that we're talking about to figure out what your value is on chasing that game. In a basketball game, you can just do one point and pay minus 110 on the side. On the totals, though, it gets a little bit trickier. You, you know, you would need like a point and a half in college. And then even then, I mean, it's a lot of times it will just, that's at the high end. Like you'll see 136 go to 134 and a half at Bet Chris. But then everyone else has 135 and a half, and you're going, is this really that great? You know? So uh, that's my thoughts. All right, guys. That is all the questions. Let's get into your. Uh, hold on. Let, let's thank our listeners for taking the time to send us. Thank you, listeners, for sending. Yeah. And sorry that Dave laughed at you. No, I mean, yeah, no, because I'm going, what? what? I'm kidding, dude. Yeah, no, I hope he doesn't do that. Sorry, both. I do have a question for Ant. I forgot. Why don't you bet MLS early? You guys like bet like right, you know, right before game starts. Is there a reason for that? For MLS in particular, we're betting lineups. We think there's a lot of edge on basically who starts. And for smaller leagues like MLS, lineups matter more because the 10th player on the bench looks like me and not like an athlete. But uh, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> basically, the lower level the leagues are, the uh, lineups matter more because they're 12th and 13th best player are way worse than the good leagues. So, anyways, so we gather the information on who's who starts basically. So, we're betting lineups, and the lineups in soccer usually come out an hour before the game begins. Makes sense. Okay. All right. Do you guys have your NFL picks ready to go? I don't want to lose more money for our listeners, but I have one. You have to do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let Dave go first this time. It's his turn. I'm going to take Atlanta minus two and a half for mine. Uh, Mike's team. Atlanta minus two and a half. Okay. We'll All see. right, Dave, Dave might have to help me this one. So I want the Buccaneers, but I see kind of all kinds of different numbers out there. So Buccaneers... I would definitely take them at plus three and a half minus one twenty. Is that okay, or do you want a different price? No, 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 no. You can get mine. There's even a plus three and a half even right now at a place you could bet quite a bit. I would take Buccaneers plus three and a half all the way to minus one twenty. All right, we're just gonna say yeah. Well, well, no, minus one ten is fair there because if you no, that's fair for the listeners. Minus one ten. So yeah, let's hope uh, Detroit doesn't do it for us. 
All right, guys, I appreciate you both being being on, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Avoid the Trap. All right, have a good one, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Avoid the Trap podcast. If you'd like more betting tips or want to learn how you can partner with us, go to our website, www.avoidthetrap.com. Until next time, remember, to the victor belong the spoils.